And it's exciting to be able to share it. I'm going to tell you that right off the bat, this is probably going to be the most important salvation message I've preached all year. may even be the most important salvation message that I've preached uh, to the end of the year as well. I, I love the salvation messages. But I believe today is going to be an exceptional message for you to ponder and think about. Because there is more to life than what we have right here. If you would indulge me for just a few moments of this message, for me to go back in my memory, back in my life, and pull some things that have been very memorable in my life. Now, I've got to tell you, when I begin to share some of these things as a prelude to the message, that I will tell you I can't do them today. I wouldn't even try to do them today. But I'll explain to you what, what is in my memory and as you see on the slide today, it is titled, the message is titled, At Day's End. And we're not going to be talking about a motel or a hotel. <laughs> we're going to be talking about eternal things, amen? Our text is found in the book of Acts, chapter 3. You may turn there. We're not going to go to it immediately. We'll go to it later on in the, in the message. But we are indeed glad that you are here today. Visitors, we welcome you. Some are here that hadn't been here in a while because their family is here and they come into town. We say, God bless you, and thank you for being here. And men uh, with the ministry, with Brother Sean and, uh, and Brother Dennis, thank you for being here today. And Sister Ann, thank you for having the ladies here today as well. And just glad you're here today. I mean, turn to somebody and say, I'm glad you're here today, and that's the truth. <laughs> Let's jump right into the message this morning. I want us to major on the good. I want us to major on that which is good. You know, the, the song, the video that was sung today and played in the worship that came to us this morning was all about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. I don't have to go back very far in my memory to thank God for all the good things that He has done in my life, all the good things He's done at Northside Assembly of God, all the good things that He has done in your life. Uh, I, amen. I think that it's good to just sit and to give him praise from the inside of us. Uh, we don't have to shout all the time. We don't have to run the pews all the time. But it's good for us to acknowledge that he is faithful and he's a good God. And he's been good to us. You see, good equates to God and bad equates to evil. But you could turn that around. E-V-I-L can be turned around to L-I-V-E, live. Every bad can be turned into that which is good. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he could do for you. You are not without, uh, without, with outside the reach of God today, wherever you're at. In fact, God's grace to you today will cover your most egregious shortcoming in your entire life. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. God is available to take care of the present. He can wipe those sins away and write your name in the Lamb's book of life, amen. And you have a reserved seat at the marriage supper of the Lamb, amen. We're going to have a double helping of joy and peace and righteousness in the Spirit of God. Why would you not want that? Everyone here this morning, is re are you ready to live, to live your life in abundance of God's blessing on you? Amen. I don't want to fall short. I don't want to come up a little short uh, on the blessings of God. I want everything God has available for me. And I want you to have everything that God has available for you as well. How about just starting off with a little joy, a little peace? How about just saying, Lord, give me that happiness. If you're chasing happiness, you'll never find it. But if you chase after Jesus, he'll give you happiness. He'll give you joy. 
morning unto morning, evening unto evening. His name is to be exalted. His name is to be praised. His name is to be honored. His name is above all other names. He alone is worthy of our praise. Sister Delaney, you didn't know that that's in the message this morning. Whenever you found that YouTube video, amen, of He is worthy of it all. You see, in the good times, He's worthy to be praised. In the not-so-good times, He's still worthy to be praised. But in the bad times, in those times that really stretch us, stretch us in the physical, stretch us in the spiritual, in the natural, in the spiritual, that's when we need to praise Him the most. That's when we need to give Him all the praise, amen. To break through, to break through, and to give you that breakthrough, amen. So if you find yourself struggling today because of the past, because of what you're getting ready to face, I'll tell you what, I think there's an antidote to all that, and it's called just give Him praise. Now, you don't have to jump up and praise Him out loud. You can praise Him on the inside. But if there's a praise inside of you, it's all right if you let it out at church. Blind Bartimaeus, he praised, he, 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 uh, he hollered out for Jesus, amen. And they said, boy, you need to be quiet. Hey, Jesus don't have time for you. You're a blind man. And he reached out louder, amen. And finally the Lord, he said, he recognized him. He said, what do you want? What do you want? Well, he's blind, you know. What do you want? Well, I, want to be, I want to see. Okay, then you can see. Oh, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. At day's end, many things will go through our minds. Are there any regrets that I had today? Was I a little sharp with somebody? Did I cut somebody off at the light? Uh, was Christ honored in me? Did I, did I lift him up? I even sometimes not even say anything. Just who we are, the ethos of us, to be able to give a smile and, and, and to say, God bless you, amen. Oh, if you use that term, God bless you, use it right. Because God don't want to bless some mess. Oh, come on. I bless you in your sin, bud. No, 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 no. God wants to bless you as he brings you out of that place and puts you in a rock-solid place in him. Was Christ honored in me today? Were there positive accomplishments that happened today? You know, I've gotten to the point right now, if I can just get one good thing accomplished today, I feel like I've done something. Well, there was days in my past that I would want to do four, five, six, seven things, and now I've got a priority list, amen, and it's good to take it, just mark it off, amen, at the end of the day, praise God. Even if it's minor. Amen. Just be positive. Amen. Can I lay my head down and move into sweet, sweet rest? Uh, depending on the circumstance of your day. Oh, you can still praise him. I have, I have learned to enjoy my walk with Jesus. All right. Let's go back in memory for me. Amen. I had a friend of mine who uh, loved to go to the lake. And I was a junior in high school. And he... We were good friends. He's a, he's a lawyer today, a, a very high-fluting high lawyer. I knew, he, I knew he had some really good qualities. He was the president of our, our school class and just was a really good guy. But his dad, Mom, had a boat, speedboat. And he liked to go to the lake, and so he invited me and a couple other guys to go. And that's me on the front of that boat. No, it's not. I'm not <laughs> oh, it's amazing what you can find. Because, see, I'm smarter than that guy. But we would go down to the lake, amen, and we would get his mom and dad's speedboat. We didn't know how to launch it. We didn't know how to bring it in, but we learned. And, you know, what I liked about that time on the lake uh, with my friend in high school was the fact that I had uh, acne during high school. It wasn't bad, but I had some, you know. I mean, those big old uh, white poppers. <laughs> oh, come on. The rest of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what I'm talking about. 
And the good thing about it was when you went to the lake, amen, that sun would hit you and the wind would hit you and all of a sudden at the end of the day you'd be a little bit more tan and, and, and all them blemishes would just seem to go away for about two days. If you was lucky, three days. And I didn't mind going to school the next day after we'd been on the lake. I probably shouldn't have shared that with you. You're having a hard time digesting that. But pull your high school pictures out. Let's compare. <laughs> when I was in South Dakota, I learned to, to uh, I actually learned to snow plow. Now, if you know anything about, uh, about skiing on the snow is that if you get to going too fast, you put your skis out like this, and it, it's called snow plowing, and it will slow you down. I spent the entire day either snow plowing or getting up off the snow, <laughs> avoiding, avoiding the trees, amen. But you know what? The day's in. I tell you what, it was a good trip. I took the. I thought it was a, a good thing. And when I was a youth pastor, youth pastor, I took them out here to Brighton down here to uh, to the snow slope, and it was so. It was just. It was just so dangerous. I didn't realize it because there wasn't any snow. It was all ice. And we pulled in to drop the kids off and to get their uh, equipment. And an ambulance was coming, and an ambulance was leaving. And we had one of our boys. Couldn't get stopped on that ice, and he ran into the well house. And we didn't have to take him to the hospital. But anyway, up in South Dakota, that was real fluffy snow, and I enjoyed it. I couldn't do that today if my life depended on it. But boy, my memory is so good at days in to enjoy that. How many of you like to hike? Camp. Amen. I used to love to hike and camp. And I found the most beautiful spot in all of America. It was up in the Black Hills of South Dakota. And then we came upon, we were four-wheeling, and we had our, our four-wheel drive Jeep, and we got up into the National Forest, and we found us a waterfall. This was a beautiful waterfall. At the bottom was a swimming area where you could swim. And, you know, we, we decided we'd just camp out right there. Little did we know that we were camping out with all the wild animals as well. But it was an enjoyable trip. We started us a fire. We had a good time, and we even went back a second time in, uh, in my time up there in the United States Air Force and we had such a good, good, good time. Is anybody relating here this morning? Ah, if we opened it up, you'd tell us your stories. Let's go to the next one. So that day on the lake with family, we would take off, Sister Susan and I, we'd take off on Monday. We bought us a nice uh, fishing ski boat, and it was a used boat, but it, it, it accomplished what we needed to accomplish. It's 150 horsepower, and we enjoyed it. We'd take it down on, on the lake on Monday. And I, learned, we, I tried to learn my children how to water ski, and we taught them all, every one of them, to water ski. Now, if you look at that little guy, it's almost like it's Christopher, okay? Now, we, we got Christopher up on some skis when he was just a little boy, little bitty guy, little toddler, and we had the skis that were tied together so they wouldn't go like this and dump him head first. However, I forgot to tell him, if you fall, Chris, let go of the rope. He fell, and he held on to the rope, and you know what happens? You just go straight down if you're, you know, you just go straight down, and Sister Susan about jumped out of the boat. She was having a fit. She was, you know, you know so we, we, we stopped and we went around and I gave some slack in there and we went around there and pretty soon here he come with that life jacket on. <laughs> he didn't cry. He just said, enough, enough, no more. <laughs> we got him in the boat, got him dried off, hey man. And he just sat there, oh, no more, no more. No. You don't want to get back on them skis? No, 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 no more. But Chris wound up being one of our best skiers of the entire family. And Nathan turned out good. Don was incredible. But, but Chris was incredible on it because I think he's, 
He just—he uh, was just a natural. We were uh, boogie boarding one uh, one Monday out on the lake, and Sister Blackard and I were talking. We was in great conversation. I had a big mirror, and I could look at him. And, and she said, "Looky back there! Looky back there at your boy." And I turn around, and Chris is on this boogie board, and he is just going in circles. He's turning around. The boat's pulled him, and he's going around in circles. I said, "Oh boy, so much for my boat." This boy's about ready to take it out on his own. Oh, come on, preach with me this morning. I'm talking about days in. I'm talking about at days in of the natural, amen. You have had good times at days in, and you reflected on what it was that happened. Amen. I, I, I was, I'll tell you that Chris, he enjoyed it. Nathan enjoyed it. In fact, the, uh, I get Nathan was driving the boat one day, and the water patrol stopped him and said, Son, you're just going too fast. He said, Oh, why? And he said, Because you're pulling somebody on a tube. <laughs> Does that sound like him? So I learned how to sail. That is a 19-foot Hobie cat. And I tell you, you have to be very nimble to, to, to get on one of those things. Because as the wind will shift, the sails will shift also. And you've got to be quick, and you've got to duck quick, and you've got to go from one side of the boat to the other side of the boat. If the boat gets too much wind and starts going up, you've got to get on the opposite side of it to keep it from flipping over. If it does flip over, you've got to learn how to pull it from the top of the sails to get it back on up and then climb back in it and do it all over again. Doesn't that sound like fun? Are you guys identifying with me this morning? Good to have it at day's end, amen. To just sit around the fire and... And either whether it's in the woods or in your backyard, amen. One of the, uh, when, uh, when Nathan and Randy and their family had a, a beautiful deck and they had this uh, big old fire pit, one of the first, uh, you know, uh, live shots and live times that we had on the COVID was in their backyard. I knocked on the door and they said, oh, hi, Pastor. Well, we really set it up. We didn't even practice. We set it up and we set around their fire. It was, it was burning and it was just wonderful to sit there. Have you ever just sat down around a fire and Drink coffee or do some s'mores. Do something. We had a men's all-nighter one night, and uh, we went to, I won't tell you the guy's name that was uh, that hosted us. He had a big farm. His name was Bill Willoughby. And Bill was getting ready to burn some of his, uh, his wood, and so we, he started a fire at the end of this big old log tree. And about 9 o'clock, we moved a little bit because the tree burnt. And then we moved a little bit more. By 4 o'clock in the morning, we had already moved where that tree was on fire quite a ways. We stayed up almost all night long just giving God, just talking about nothing. Just enjoying our time. Taking the men on a fishing, a crappie fishing, amen, to, to, to let them brag about their, you know, their, their fish. You know, I caught one about that far from the bank. Now we get out of recreation, get into serious stuff. Let's see the next slide, if you would. One of the best days of your life is if you've gotten married. (laughs) If you didn't hear that, we're not going to repeat it. If you look at the young man here as he's kneeling at the altar, he's got written on his shoes, help me. Help me. When God is involved in the marriage ceremony and in the marriage life, let me tell you, you'll not, uh, you'll not have all those wonderful days, but with the help of the Lord 
and good family, you'll get through them. You know, they say that marriages is made in heaven. Well, I got news for you. Thunder and lightning's made in heaven too. But it's one of the best days of your life. It's whenever God gives you a helpmate. When God, in fact, the Bible says that your helpmate is your portion in this life. And so we need to guard that relationship. You know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But if you have found a helpmate that has been faithful and true to you, that loves you even with your warts, shortcomings, you're blessed. You're blessed. For when all is said and done, it doesn't matter about what you acquire because it takes the first half of your life to acquire things and the last half to figure out what you're going to do with it. You got a big house, you got to figure out, do I stay here or do I go to a smaller house? Who do I give this to and who do I give that to? And No, I don't want to give that to them. I've been down that road where the people would write their name on the behind of stuff. Or the backside of stuff, maybe. The, the, this belongs to, you know. And sometimes the one who wants the stuff don't even use it. The one that doesn't play the piano wants the piano. The one that doesn't use tools wants the tools. <laughs> Come on, church. But we get through it. Because love is strong. Fairness is strong. But I, got you, I want you to know that this slide is the apex of the message this morning. And that is the very best day of your life could be today. The very best day of your life could be at this service, at this moment, to accept Christ as the Lord of your life and become the bride of Christ. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a good praise this morning. My prayer for you as a born-again believer is may your days end... Be blessed. I'm not talking about necessarily the days coming to a close today after we enjoy and we gorge ourselves with dark chocolate. Not whenever we have fun eating chili, trying to figure out who made it and, and why it tastes so good or why it doesn't taste so good or why it's so hot or so mild. Those are good days to get into a bidding war on something like I know there's a big knife that's going to be on the table, and I know there's some guys that want that big knife. You've got to be 18 years old a bit. <laughs> but when you go home tonight, you're going to be blessed. That's my prayer, is that you will be blessed. You'll be refreshed and encouraged and strengthened in your body to face this week because not a one of us knows what we have facing us on Monday. Not a one of us knows what is coming this next week. One phone call can change everything. But we're going to go home tonight and we're going to have sweet rest and we're going to enjoy it. And, you know, we were in a meeting uh, concerning tonight and someone suggested that we do face painting and the other one suggested that we use a permanent magic marker. <laughs> Who was that, that that did that? Oh, it was Pastor. And then it dawned on me, no, that's not a good way to build a church. So may your days in be blessed. Won't you stand with me right now? Go to somebody real quick and tell them what you used to do when you could do it. Hurry. Tell them what you used to do if you could do it today. But you can't. Come on. Come on, stretch.
I used to climb mountains, but I couldn't do that today. I used to drive a race car, but I couldn't do that today. enough coulda, woulda, shoulda. Y'all be seated. Come on, be seated. I want to introduce to you a man in the Bible that I'm just going to simply call Mr. Certain Man. Say that with me, Mr. Certain Man. Oh, come on, say it with me, Mr. Certain Man. That is, that is how the Bible describes this man in the third chapter of the book of Acts. He was taken to the gate beautiful on a daily basis. He was crippled. He couldn't walk. And he was there asking of alms. He was there asking for a handout. He was there asking for somebody to be gracious to him and to encourage him by giving him a few pence, uh, something that would help him to be able to live an honorable life. And the reason why that he was brought there was because all the good people with compassionate hearts went to the temple. They were the born-again believers. They were those who were religious in, in their hearts, in their minds. Those had a relationship. And so they dropped him off, Mr. Certain Man, at the gate. Now listen to the scripture starting at verse number 7. And Peter and John, they came to the hour of prayer, and he picked him up by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Remember Peter said, silver and gold have we none. I can't put anything in your cup. But what we have, we're going to let you in on it in the name of Jesus. And they reached down and they picked him up. And the Lord gave him strength in his ankles and in his feet. And what he did was a natural thing. He leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And at that time, the man which was healed held Peter and John. All the people ran together to the porch that they called Solomon, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw them coming, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye? That or why look on us earnestly as if we had done this in our own ability or our own strength. Neither by our holiness has made this man whole. But through the power of God Almighty made this man whole. Let's go to the next slide if you would please men. If you look at this Mr. Man, this certain man. They didn't even have his name. Didn't even know what his real name was. And the Bible didn't give us his real name. Just a certain man was you know, there's a lot of certain men in this world today. There are people that we do not know their name. I've never been good at names. I always try to associate a name with, with uh, something that I won't forget. Uh, the, the man with the red hair and the long sideburns. You know, until there's two of them show up at church. Don't hold that against me, amen. If I were to give you a cognitive test, you probably wouldn't do any better. There's a large church in Arizona. They hired a, a pastor out of Springfield, Missouri, just to be the, the pastor that would get the names and, and, uh, and uh, the directory and, 
and give the stuff to the pastor and say, Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so is here in the church today. Wouldn't that be something? I'm amazed that some people know everybody's name. They relied upon his family and friends. He relied to get them to uh, the, the temple. And, and here he is. They brought him and they laid him. And then Mr. Certain Man meets Peter. And he, they meet John. And they are full of the Holy Ghost. Peter and John, they looked at this man. And they had compassion on him. And they knew in their hearts. Uh, they knew in their hearts that he did not have to go home that day the same way that he was brought. They knew in their hearts that he could be healed by the power of God. That he did not need to lay there and suffer in front of the gate beautiful. That it would be alright if he had a good day to have more than he usually got on in his cup with the money. It would be alright to have that. But oh, they knew that there was a God that they served who had the ability and the power, as, Brother, as Pastor Sean shared with us today, that God has the power to forgive of sin, but not only forgive of sin, but to heal the broken body. And they said unto him, silver and gold we do not have, but we're going to give you something that's going to make your days in an incredible day. He received his healing that day as they reached down and they picked him up. As they were in the act of picking him up, the virtue and the strength of the Holy Ghost began to move into his ankles and began to move in into his, uh, into his, thighs, into his thighs and into his back. And he began to realize that he could walk now, even though he had never walked before. He could walk, amen. And he, give, he was given that uh, lesson immediately. You don't have to go to rehab, buddy, to learn to walk. You just need to just jump and leap and have a good time in Jesus. Because when Jesus does it, he does it right. He does it right the first time. He does it absolutely right. And this man, Mr. Certain Man, jumped up. He began to run around like a crazy man. There are those that don't like people acting crazy in church. There's some that don't even like people acting crazy outside the church. I'm not talking about crazy people doing crazy things. I'm talking about zealous people who have been touched by the power of God. And I'm telling you, when God touches you, something's going to happen. You know, something's going to get in your feet, in your shoes beside your feet. There's going to be a praise that's going to come out. We had a deacon one time, and I'll tell you what, he was the loudest praising deacon I've ever had in my life. He'd get over in the corner, and he'd just be praising God, and all of a sudden he'd just go, he'd just go uh, loudspeaker. While somebody over here was just weeping and crying. I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to praise the Lord with them. Somebody said, well, I don't like that wildfire. Well, you know what? Sometimes wildfire is better than no fire. Come on, church. He was healed that day, Acts 3, 8. And he began to leap and rejoice in the good things of God. When he began to close out that day of being with Peter and John and going in to worship, we don't know whether or not he had ever worshipped before or not, but I got a feeling that he came into the presence of the Lord with this praise. Thank you, Lord, that I once was a cripple. Thank you, Lord, that I once had to rely upon man. Thank you, Lord, that I had to rely upon my family. But, Lord, those days are over. When I go home and go to bed tonight and I get up in the morning, I'm a brand new man. I don't have to rely on anybody to take me anywhere and to come get me. 
I'm going to leap and run and joy. In fact, I'm going to just make a nuisance of my neighbors. I'm going to get up and I'm going to run right in front of their house and, and do a one of them Pentecostal jigs. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I may even reach down and get me a big old bunch of dust and throw it up in the air. Amen. And, oh, and just yell it from the, I have met Jesus. Amen. And he has healed my body. I think it went more than that. I think that when he got into the temple, amen, he said probably the first thing he said was, Lord, I'm not worthy to receive what you have given to me. Lord, if there's anything to this called salvation, I accept you today. I accept you today. And then I believe that he said something along these, these words. What an amazing, wonderful grace, Lord. I have a big God that can do big miracles. Amen. How many of you know that? How many of you know that you serve a big God who can do big, big miracles, amen, in your life and the life of others? Just think about Daniel in the lion's den. Somebody said that Daniel, that the lions didn't want to eat Daniel because all he was was backbone and gristle. <laughs> That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the angel of the Lord came down and closed the lion's mouth. The first case of lion lockjaw. In fact, Daniel could lay down on one of their furry uh, sides and go to sleep. Because he was thrown into the lion's den because he had the audacity and the courage to stand up to the king's decree and to give God praise moving towards Jerusalem. He opened the window and he moved towards and they put him in the lion's den even though the king didn't want to do it. And you remember the next day? Oh, Daniel, has your God delivered you? Live forever, king. I've had the best night's rest I've had all week long. I didn't have no phone to bother me. I didn't have no... Didn't have no Grubhub coming my door. Didn't have no Amazon. Just me and the lions. I even named them all. That was a good day's end for Daniel. But it wasn't a good day's end for the guys who had tricked the king in to do in the decree that caused Daniel to be put in the lion's den. Because the Bible tells us, as you read it, it's, it's gruesome. And I didn't want to go into this area. I wanted to be blessed today. I wanted you to be uplifted. But whenever, whenever they threw those guys and their families into the lion, before they ever hit the bottom of the lion pit, they were devoured as the lions leaped up and got them. You talk about, you talk about a stern message. Well, let's talk about David and Goliath. The closest that David came to cursing that day was you uncircumcised Philistine. That was such a put down. He told his brothers, I can't believe you guys are down here and you don't even have a cause. You're just, you're just wandering around down here and, and the giant comes out and, and he challenges you to bring it, bring it on and whoever wins will serve and whoever loses will serve and the other and I'm telling you, David, he had it all he could take. I don't have time to tell you the story other than the fact that I'll tell it just like I told it to my grandkids when they spend the night with us. And we rehash those Bible stories. I'd say, Riker, what Bible story do you want to hear? And he'd say, oh, I want to hear about David and Goliath. And we started off with, the, with David, amen, and, and how that uh, he, he took and he, and he got those stones, those five stones, and 
I said, Riker, you know why he had five stones instead of one? No. He said, well, he had four brothers. <laughs> Goliath had four brothers. And we'd be in that bed, amen, and pretty soon I'd see him over there. We got to that point where the David would step out on there, amen, and he would begin that slingshot, amen. And, oh, praise God. He'd begin to move it around and move it around and move it around. Now, before that, we brought the meal to the, to the brothers. We had chocolate cake. We had cherries and ice cream. What do you want to, what do you want to put in the basket, Riker? Oh, let's put in some fried chicken. And it got bigger and bigger every time we told the story. And I got to tell you, he'd lay there on that pillow beside me and his eyes would be great big. And we'd get to that point where, where we'd get those slingshot going. I leaned over and I said, Riker, this is the first recording in, the, in history of the first ballistic missile. And I said, Riker, where did that stone hit him? And he said, hit him right between his eyes. About that time, Riker would raise up in bed. And he'd go, oh, right between the eyes. And he'd start that slow movement. He'd get on his knees and he'd move that, do that slow movement going down. And he'd just, he'd just lay, he'd fall on the bed with his arms outstretched. And just like that he was a dead man, he would just, just hit that bed and didn't try to catch himself. One night he looked at me when he got through and he said, another one bites the dust, Papa, another one bites the dust. <laughs> At day's end, the three Hebrew boys, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Their day's end was wonderful because when they came out, uh, the, the king said, I see three we've thrown in, but now there's another one. There's a fourth one in the midst, and he looks like he's the son of man. In other words, Jesus went into the fire with them. Now, I'm going to make a statement to you this morning, and I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, but it's far better to be in the fire with Jesus than to be in whatever it is, uh, in the high clover without the Lord. Even though I don't recommend that we get in the furnace. But they come out of there not even smelling the smoke. King says, you know, stoke it up a little more, get a little hotter. And when they went to, went to check on them, uh, the guards, they just caught fire combustion right there because they were too close to the fire but at day's end those Hebrew boys came out not even smelling of smoke I can feel kind of sorry for the pastor who was uh, invited brother Paul to come and speak it was a church that was on a, a, a second or third floor and there was a young man being a typical young man it was hot in there because the lamps the candles were burning the Bible says that it got very hot in there and and because uh, he got to the point where he wanted some fresh air, so he goes and he sits on the windowsill. Now, let me tell you, there is spiritual storyline in Eutychus. That is, either you're in or you're out. You better be more in the things of the Lord than in the things of the world because, you know what, you'll get splinters if you don't, if you're on the, if you're on the fence post. You can't have two feet in one canoe. You're in, you're in a heap of trouble, boy. Eutychus got in that window and he began to get hot and he sits there and he leans up against the, the window seal, amen, the third, third story up and, and all of a sudden his eyes begin to droop down and, and got heavy. Oh, you better pay attention to the preaching. When somebody goes to sleep in church, it doesn't happen as often as it used to. 
But when somebody goes to church and they go to sleep, and the wife says, would you wake him up, pastor? Or he says to her, could you wake up your husband? She'd look at him and say, pastor, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. Eutychus went to sleep and he fell out of the third story and he landed hard on the downstairs and they ran to him and they stopped the service and they ran down to him and he's deader than a dead boy could be. I don't think he just had the breath knocked out of him. Paul goes down and prays that God would raise him back up and pretty soon he comes to life again and Paul presents him back to his mother. Oh, you talk about if revival didn't hit that church, I don't know what would. That boy went to church that night not even realizing what was going to happen. And I don't know whether or not he got a glimpse of glory when he died. I don't know. I, I don't know. I prefer that when I die, I go on to be with the Lord and not come back. But you talk about a good day's end. It's when Eutychus and his mother went home that day and reflected. Because you see, Paul just made like it was no big deal. He just got the guy back up to his mother and then he went right back to preaching. But the deacons didn't let any youth get in the window sills. Come on. I hope you're having fun with this one because I had a lot of fun putting it together. Praise God. How about the young man that was, had died and was being buried and they were taking him in a funeral procession? Death was leaving town, but Jesus and his disciples were coming to town. The Bible says that it was a, she was a widow. It was her only son. And in that culture that day, you had to have somebody to take care of you, and they would rely upon their children to take care of them. And so she, he was her only way for her to have any survival, any hope of survival. And now she's got to take him outside the city and bury him. So death is going out the city and life is coming into the city. And when death and life meet, whenever death meets Christ the life and the light of the world, something's going to give. Guess what gave? Death gave. And life prevailed. I'd love to have been there to see all the people that were witnessed if they had been paid to go out at the well and moan. And all of a sudden, the young man, Jesus, touches him, and they had an open coffin like it was. They carried him on sticks with, uh, with some uh, hay on it and everything and taking him out to bury him that way. And all of a sudden, he sets up, and he goes, mm, Ooh, good air. Well, what would you do if you were dead? He got up. What's that song we sing around here about come on out of that grave? That boy come off of that death stretcher. I can only see his mother as she's trying to get it all in her mind and in her heart what is happening. My boy was dead. I know he was dead. And he, he meets this one that we, they call Jesus and, and he says some things and he touches him and he says arise and he arises and he's back to life again. And you know he was young so he had to be able to just hop off of the Stretcher, but I've got a feeling that those guys were, that carried him were so taken back they dropped him. They just let go of the, and down he came. Your enthusiasm is just so overwhelming today. I just can't get over how enthused we are today. But it's good because you're walking in newness of life. If you're walking, pulling that, that chain of sin around your ankle, you can have it freed today. If you're walking around with a court monitor on you, you could be free today. Don't cut it off. 
I remember Sister Ann when we went before the judge, and I can't remember the, I don't know if it was Miranda or whatever her name was, but she was a challenge to the judge. She said, I didn't know what to do with you, girl. I was going to put you in, in prison for at least 120 days, maybe 240, but you have had a complete change around. You, something's happened to you. And she said, it was Jesus. And, and, and Sister Ann stood up and, and spoke a little bit and, and, and told about how that Jesus is the, is the way maker. He's the chain breaker. Amen. And she did it without any hesitation whatsoever. She looked at the court and there was a lot of other court people there that day that came in to visit to see what was going on in the Greene County Drug Court. And Sister Ann was very gracious and kind to give the, the Greene County and Judge Davis a lot of credit, but she also gave credit to the Lord Jesus Christ. She gave credit to the other ladies who had been touched by God. Amen. And then uh, she said, Preacher, do you want to say anything? And I stood up and I said, let's cut that thing off so I can get her uh, baptized in the water baptismal tank. And the judge said, we can do that right now. And somebody over in the, in the judge's corner jumped up and said, oh, no, you can't do that. That's a $4,000 piece of equipment. We don't just cut them off. She said, I don't care how you do it. Get it off today. That's the court. And Sister Ann, one of the things that just impressed me beyond, beyond impression was when the prosecutor stood up, when the prosecutor stood up and the people that were in charge of her rehabilitation stood up and said, Your Honor, we want to expunge her record. In other words, they wanted to erase her history of doing wrong. They wanted to erase, it's called justification, just as it never happened. And I'm telling you what, we went crazy in that courtroom. And she didn't tell us to be quiet. We were happy because the judge and the prosecutor was giving a lady another opportunity. Lord, give us the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, whatever it takes to, amen, to be able to get us straightened up. Don't straighten us out. Get us straightened up. And then the judge looked at her and said, Mrs. whatever her name was, certain lady. We know her name. I just, it slips me. I don't know. It's been so many. Now, thank you. Amen. Mrs. Dodd. You can now, now listen to this, you can now go back behind to my office. There's somebody back there waiting on you to sign you up to vote. I said, wow. Man, they're doing it all in one setting. The lady who had no hope when she first came to the court. Court says, we're going to remind you over to Mrs. Ann and the ministry called House of Hope. And if you mess up, you'll be going to prison. Now, Ann, always with her, had a captive audience. I'm trying my best this morning, church. She had no choice. If Ann told her to come to church, she had no choice. Amen. And, amen. And you follow the rules. Well, it would do us all good if we followed some of the rules. This is the best rule book there is. Remember the, remember the woman with the issue of blood? She'd spend all. Don't spend all before you have to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus so that you can tithe. <laughs> Pastor, you just had to get that in, didn't you? <laughs> Woo, glory. I looked, up the, I looked up some of the denominations that are 
prevalent in our world today to see what their stand is. And I couldn't find any Baptist church that didn't believe in it. I couldn't find any Assembly of God church that couldn't believe in it. And I certainly didn't find any Nazarene that didn't believe in it. So I think we're in the good company. Pastor, you're getting awful bold this morning. Well, that woman with issue of blood got bold. And she reached in there and she touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus looked around and said, who touched me? And the disciples said, Lord, everybody's touching you. He said, no, something special touched me. For virtue began to flow out of his body. And she came forward and said, it was I. And he touched her that day and healed her. She was able to go home and throw away all of her medicine except the gospel. She went home going and went to sleep, not worried whether she's going to bleed to death in the nighttime. That's what happened to my brother. He started bleeding and spitting up blood. And uh, they rushed him to the hospital and they said, we don't know for sure what it is, but we think it's the heart medicine that you're on. You know, sometimes medicine can do wonders. But sometimes medicine can mess you up. He's going to be all right. Don't count Lester out. He's three years older than I am. But he always seems to come through. How about that old girl with the five husbands? How would you like to have somebody tell you something that you did? I told a lady one time just one thing she did and she got mad at me. Jesus told this lady several things, all the things she had done and she didn't get mad. I'm trying, church. So let's go back. The woman that was getting ready to be stoned, what did she get at the end of the day? She got... Spared. Her life got spared. The woman with the issue of blood, what did she get at the end of the day? She got healed. What about the woman with the husband? Five husbands and the one that she's living with wasn't, uh, wasn't one of them. She got saved. Days ended well. No, it ended super, super, super well. When there's obstacles in your way and you can't move them, if you've got a mountain too high to climb or a valley too low to go through or a river too wide to swim across or go around, God specializes in things thought impossible. How would you like to have been in the leadership of Israel whenever they were facing Jericho? They would say, Joshua, you've got a plan. Yeah, I've got a plan. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to form together and we're going to put the priest in the front with horns. We're going to have the Ark of the Covenant come behind the priest up and then we're going to have some singers come and they're going to sing and praise and have their horns and then the rest of us are going to come behind and we're going to march around the city one time a day for seven days and on that seventh day we're going to shout unto the Lord and the Lord is going to come and he's going to bring that obstacle down but there's a caveat, you can't say a word. All the WM said, what did he say? If you don't know what WMs stand for, mighty women of God. I don't know that I could have done that. Walk around seven days around that big old city and not open my mouth. Especially when they were spitting on me from up top and they were throwing their trash on me and their garbage on me. I, what would you do? You would obey the word of the, of the, of the leader, the man of God. And then... On that seventh time around, and they shouted with a loud shout. And all of a sudden, they heard the stones begin to crack. 
this was not just a small entrenched city. It was where you could drive two chariots on the top of that wall. And you see, the Lord knew that they needed to know that it was God who did it, and they had nothing to do with it. Their shout had nothing to do with it other than obedience. And that wall began to come down. Now, there are scholars who believe that the wall went right down like an elevator into the ground. Others believe the rubble was everywhere. I don't really care how it came down. I just want to believe and know I am believing that the walls came down. And God gave them the victory that day. And at day's end, wow, can you only imagine? How about Paul and Silas? How about Peter in jail? Peter was in jail to be executed the next morning. He laid down and went to sleep. Why did he be able to lay down and go to sleep? Because God had told him, Christ had told him, that when you get old, Peter, somebody's going to put your pants on and put your shirt on, and somebody's going to take care of you to help you get up out of your chair and to feed you and to take good care of you. In other words, I'm promising you long life. He took that literally. He was to be, uh, to be executed the next morning, but he had that promise of God. You're going to be old, Peter. And he says, I'm not old right now. I can take care of myself. And in the midnight hour, the angel of the Lord came and shook that prison. And the bars opened and the gates opened. And they took him right on out into the fresh air. And where did he go? He went to the house of the Christians who were praying for him. And whenever he knocked on the door and Rhoda came and opened the door and ran back, she didn't let him come in. She ran back and said, Peter's at the door. And the head intercessor said, nope, that's not Peter. That's his spirit. They've done killed him. <laughs> They've done put him out of his misery. He's dead. No, it's Peter. Peter comes in and he wasn't all shaken and said, they're after me. They're, they're going to get me. No, because God laid those prisoners, those, those guards out. They had all night long to lay there. So they confused the leadership the next morning. Who let him out? I don't know. But it wasn't us. Well, it was an angel. And he shared the glorious gospel of Christ. And you know, Brother Peter was a pretty smart man. He said, I think it's time for me to move on to the next city. Because he knew they was going to be mad. Let me tell you, your walk with God can make people mad. Your walk with the Lord can make people mad. Don't do anything that would rob them of, of the faith that they have. Don't do anything that would rob them of the blessing. If God is asking them to do something, don't you tell them not to do it. Because you're robbing them of their blessing. You're robbing them of your faith. And you will be held accountable, not only in this life, but in the life to come. Oh, don't shut me down, church. Don't tell people there's no hell. My Bible says there is. Don't tell people that there's no heaven, that your heaven is on this earth. No, my Bible says that we're going to be with the Lord throughout all eternity. I'm counting on that. And so at day's end, will you have rejection or will you be rejoicing? I want to be rejoicing. Simmons God has 16 fundamental truths. The 13th fundamental truth is this. Jesus is coming again. We call it the blessed hope. Although the rapture is not mentioned in the Bible one place, not one place is it called the rapture. But there is many references of a catching away, of a parousia, of 
the power of the wind of the Spirit to lift us and take us into the presence of God. It's where we get our word for parasail. A lifting from this old world. And somewhere between here and glory, there's going to be a powerful transformation. This mortal will put on immortality. This corruption will put on incorruption. And we'll be answered into the very, uh, ushered into the very presence of the Lord to spend our days with Christ, uh, even though it will not be days as we know it in the 24-hour setting. Uh, it has no beginning and no end. It's called eternity. Amen. So at day's end in the final analysis, when we come to our last day here in the natural, if we go by way of the catching away or the rapture of the church, what will your day's end be? Will it be filled with goodness, Mercy and grace and faith. Will you have sent all of your shortcomings and all your sins on ahead to be taken care of so that nothing shall follow you? That whenever you stand in the presence, because you see, you get one shot at it. And this may be your shot today. It's not difficult. You understand where I came from that this may be the most powerful salvation message that I preached all year. Because you stand in the balance today on how your day's end will end when that time comes. Make sure, make very sure, not only that your anchor holds, but you've sent everything ahead to be taken care of. With every head bowed and as we begin to pray and seek the Lord for this time of the service, if you feel so comfortable and so bold, to say, Pastor, that's me that you preach to today. I'm not for sure how my final day's end will be. I think I do, but I don't know for sure. But I'd like to make sure that I know how my final day will be. Because no man, no woman has assurance of any day or any 24 hours. Would you simply raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. In this setting we've had, that's, they've got two that's raised your hand. Anyone else? Wait just for a moment. Three. That three that raise their hand. Four. Five. Nothing is going to thrill me anymore when we get to heaven to see you five. They're in the hallway of glory. And they'll say, Pastor, do you remember that you were obedient to the voice of the Lord on that particular week, that Halloween week, and how that we move from darkness into light, how that we move from not being sure where we stood, but where we, where we stand in surety to know that my name is written in the book of life. Pray this prayer after me if you would. And let me take just a moment to, to, to let the Spirit of God touch in my heart. I want you to put your name in this place. I... Put your name there. Come on, everybody needs to pray this prayer. I come before you on this Sunday with uncertainty in my heart. I don't know where I will be when I take my last breath when I came to church. But I want to know when I leave church where I will be in the spiritual realm. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my shortcomings. Forgive me of my doubt. And put in his place the precious blood of Jesus. 
to blot out and to cover my sins. And then, Lord, I ask that you'll give me the power to face the enemy on the coming days and weeks and months and years to follow you with the best that I can. Heal my crippled soul that I might leap and jump and rejoice in you. In Jesus' name, amen.